Welcome to Campaign Chemistry, where we pick the brains of creative alchemists, business wizards, and marketing geniuses behind the world's greatest brand. Fabrice Beaulieu is a Chief Marketing, Sustainability, and Corporate Affairs Officer at Reckitt, a unique role in which he oversees both marketing and CSR efforts for the CPG giant's house of brands. Reckitt brought oversight of sustainability under marketing leadership to ensure that it functions as a business priority. The alignment makes it easier for Reckitt's brands to tell authentic stories about sustainability versus creating more exposure for greenwashing, Beaulieu says. In this episode, Bolio chats about Reckitt's sustainability journey and how marketing and ESG can work together to promote real action. I'm Allison Weisbrot, editor of Campaign US, and you're listening to Campaign Chemistry. Hi, Fabrice. Thank you so much for being here with me today. How are you? I'm great. Hi, Alison. Thank you for having me. Of course. So we are chatting. You're in London. I'm in New York. Um, and... Tell me a little bit about your role and what you do at Reckitt. Yeah. So Reckitt is a British company. Um, it's uh, listed on the London Stock Exchange. And you may or may not know the, the name Reckitt if you listen to us, but you will know our brands. And you probably have one of them in your nightstand or in your cupboard. We uh, sell 30 million products every day in hygiene categories, consumer health, and we operate very large brands like Lysol, Mucinex, Airborne, Finish, Airwick, to quote but a few. I've been with Reckitt uh, as long as I can remember, almost. I joined in 99 as a marketing baby and went on to do uh, multiple roles across the world in general management, in strategy and operation leadership roles. And um, since last year, I oversee marketing, sustainability, and corporate affairs for the company. Awesome. So talk a little bit about, I think it's really interesting that marketing and, and, and CSR roles are combined at Reckitt. First of all, take a step back and talk about how Reckitt approaches sustainability. And then we can talk about why the functions are together under the under marketing. Yeah. So if you start with uh, why Reckitt, uh, what Reckitt exists to do, uh, its purpose, if you want, we define it as follows. We uh, protect, heal and nurture in the relentless pursuit of a cleaner, healthier world. So that's a big, lofty statement and ambition. And uh, to be true to it, of course, we have a, a sustainability ambition. We uh, uh, are aligned to the Paris Accord. We have science-based targets, and we have clear sustainability commitments as a company. I'm talking about greenhouse gas reductions, plastic reduction, uh, removing uh, waste from our operation, whether it's water or uh, uh, plastic, and um, that's for the total company. Then what we try to do is uh, make our brands part of the journey, and every brand in its own right try to contribute meaningfully and authentically to that sustainability ambition. Of course, um, it's a brand-by-brand brand approach, which is very connected to the sustainability development goals. So talk about, you know, as you sort of oversee these CSR efforts, um, how do you manage being a marketer and someone overseeing sustainability at the same time? Like, how do you sort of think about your role? Yeah, so... Um, we have CSR teams, and really what they do is uh, convert a percentage of their profit into a meaningful impact for people who are not in our markets. Um, but our efforts actually also go towards those 
in the market. And I'm going to try and explain uh, how that works. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll take you, take us back in time to a few years ago when that journey started for Racket. I took a group of leaders with me to Cambridge, England, to the Institute for Sustainability Leadership. And then, and there, we learn about what sustainability entailed for a business. What does that mean to operate in a net zero economy? How do you align your sustainability ambitions and your business objective? What does it really mean, sustainability development goals? How can a brand contribute to them? So think of it as a journey of uh, knowledge, a personal journey for the leaders, a journey for our brands, and eventually a journey for the company. Because then what happened in that particular week, in that particular week at Cambridge, we asked the teams to think of one goal, one sustainable development goal they could connect their brand to. One brand, one goal. And you know that there are 17 goals. And the brands came back with um, very different answers. Sometimes they came back with very counterintuitive answers. I'll give you an example. We operate Finnish. Finnish is an auto dishwashing brand. The Finnish team came back and said, for us, it should be SDG 6, water and sanitation. And that connection created a very different journey for the brand. And, and maybe I should explain concretely what that connection meant and implied for, uh, for our teams and for our consumers. You have a dishwasher, Alison? I do. All right. I couldn't, so, couldn't live without it. <laughs> <laughs> So, as, 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 as is true for many people. So, imagine that this dishwasher is full and you press the button and it starts running. Uh, how many liters of water do you think this is going to require? Oh, gosh. I'm not good at guessing these types of things, but a lot. It's actually 10 liters, a, a little bit more than two gallons. So, it is a lot maybe, but very often people think it's going to be more. Uh, the machine is this big box and you think it's going to be uh, very uh, high in terms of consuming water, but, but it isn't because it's the same water, which is always cleaned and filtered and, and, and reused. Now, imagine that the same load of 30 dishes you have, unfortunately, to clean in the sink. Another tap. How much water do you think it's going to take? Less or more? It's, it's more. I know this for a fact because... I, I make this argument to my partner all the time who refuses to use the dishwasher. So <laughs> good for you. Uh, good on you. So yes, it's more, and it's actually much, much more. That's the uh, aha moment that many people have when they hear the fact, if the machine requires two by hand, it's going to require 10 times more minimum. And what a lot of people do is they mix. They do a bit of both. They will uh, clean a few plates in the sink under the tap. And then once they're almost clean, they'll place them in the dishwasher. That wastes a lot of precious water. So once you understand that, as our teams did, uh, and that conversation was a lot driven by our scientific team, you realize that the brand can actually do something about it. And we started this global campaign called Scape the Rinse. Escape the rinse. We actually started by making our product better, 
people will rinse plates off for a reason. So you have to give them a better clean. So we improved our technology. We changed the product, simply put. And then we started a global campaign, giving the facts that we've just discussed and encouraging people to change if they want this daily habit of rinsing the dishes. Skip the rinse is what we ask them to do. And that is really a, a story of better business. Um, it saves a lot of water. In some countries, we actually collect the water bills. We know how much water we save. And if you take a better product, you'll premiumize a little bit your purchase. And if you skip the rinse, you'll use the machine a little bit more. So it's a win-win-win because the category grows. Uh, the brand, of course, benefits from uh, you know doing this activity. And a lot of uh, water gets uh, saved. And we all know how precious it is becoming. Right. Yeah, no, it's super. I, I really like this example because it sort of shows the the intersection between doing something that's good for the environment and talking about it. Right. And I think a lot of times brands get sort of tripped up on that. Like, what should we talk about when it comes to sustainability? Are we going to get called out for greenwashing? What advice do you sort of have uh, for marketers who are trying to talk more about their sustainable actions, but are afraid of getting called out? In my experience, authenticity is the key. Let's go back to our example. Finish is in the business of cleaning the dishes. But what the brand does is it goes a little bit beyond the purchase. It goes towards product usage and it inspires people to change a daily behavior meaningfully. So that's, that's authentic because it's about what the brand did in the first place. Um, the brand just uses its voice to impact meaningfully society and in this case, environment. So uh, approaching sustainability strategically, embedding it at the heart of the brand playbook through products and through programs of impact really helps to stay authentic. In my experience, the other key things is partnerships. To find partners that will go along with you in the journey is essential. And in my experience, in the experience of Rekit, to work with NGOs is a big unlock. They bring complementary expertise. Um, they will look at that space differently with uh, their own knowledge and, and experience. They will also hold a mirror to us. There will be that powerful, critical friend that can be so useful. So it's a journey that's, uh, it is about progress rather than perfection and to approach it strategically and with the right partnerships, I think can go a long way to helping uh, brands impact meaningfully um, and authentically. Well, like you said, it's a journey, right? So like, where do you start? I guess you've been on this journey for a while. If, if you're a brand just looking to start, like wh where do you sort of begin? In our experience, um, what really helps is to get facts about the topic of sustainability and even more about the topic of sustainability and business. So when we went to Cambridge as a group of leaders to learn more about sustainability and business, it changed our perspective. It changed our perspective on um, how this was also a field of opportunities. Of course, sustainability is um, how you future-proof your business. There's an element of risk to manage, but there is also so many opportunities for brands to embrace. Put simply, 
people want brands to become more sustainable. It's uh, true across generations. It's true across geographies. It may take different dimensions here or there, but it's there. And what people want from brands is more sustainable products. That's innovation. And they want brands to step up and contribute to society, community, meaningfully. And they accept that these programs of positive impact can be, can become what the brand talks about. So you have innovation, you have communication. These are two main drivers of growth for brands. And they are coming at the heart of the sustainability conversation, just like sustainability is coming at the heart of the brand agenda. Mm. So how do you deal with um, backlash, right, to sustainability communications? Obviously, like, you know, it's great that Reckit is is doing all these programs to get people to stop rinsing their dishes and like change their daily habits. But obviously the, the products the, as a consumer product brand, there's a lot of waste associated with that. Right. So how do you kind of balance that that sort of conundrum, I guess? Well, let's go back to, uh, you know, not just people and consumers, but but also a lot of stakeholders want they want products to become more sustainable. So what are we talking about here? greener chemistry, less plastic, and lower carbon footprint. So how do you get started on that journey? Um, you measure your own footprint and you set targets for yourself and for the teams. Um, so we have committed to plastic reduction. We have committed to having more recycled plastic in our product, to having more recyclable products. Um, we have an objective or more sustainable product. And not only we've committed to delivering on these objectives, but we report on our progress. So again, it's about authenticity in this case, about transparency. Mm. So I guess in terms of um, the, the relationship between sustainability and marketing, like what does that do in terms of like Reckitt's approach to marketing? Does it put more of an ESG focus in the messages you, you tell, or do you sort of have a specific area of the budget you reserve for that? Like, how do you sort of, how does having marketing and ESG ladder up to the same person impact both functions? Yeah. So we are moving towards an era of end marketing and sustainability, profit and purpose, growth and sustainability. And the way um, it works will be different for brands, you know, of course, if you sell ice cream, it's not going to be the same as if you sell soap. Uh, for some of our brands at Reckitt, um, there's a focus on what we can do to contribute to environment. For other brands, there's a focus on what we can do to contribute more to the S in ESG. And I'll give you another example. It's a British example. Um, with our brand Neurofen. It's a very large analgesic brand in Europe. And that brand has identified a gap between genders around pain. In the UK, women are in pain more severely, more frequently than men. And yet, over one in two feels that their pain has been ignored or has been dismissed because of their gender. And when you listen to their experiences, it's rather shocking how some of them explain that their pain has been labeled as mental health, for instance. So the neurofan teams want to do something about it. And uh, what they have launched is a program called 
see my pain. What they want to do is make women's pain more visible, and they want to increase, if you will, the quality of conversation around pain, and eventually what they aspire to do is to help close the gender pain gap. So for that, they've launched very concrete commitments. Uh, they've introduced a gender pain index report. They have uh, a plan to uh, make women more visible in uh, clinical research. They have a suite of healthcare professional tool and trainings, and they have uh, many ideas on, on innovation. So these are very clear commitments, and um, it's a very exciting program, uh, which puts a big emphasis on the S in ESG, and again, which becomes how the brand creates value for itself and uh, value through itself. Mm. So as um, sort of the marketing leader across all these brands that have different initiatives going on, how do you sort of keep them focused on this type of marketing and telling these, doing these types of programs and telling these types of stories versus their day-to-day sort of run-of-the-mill promotional and, and marketing brand work? Yeah. I, I think that these are becoming a little bit one and the same. Yeah. So if mm-hmm. you have connected your brand to one area of sustainability, if it's given you inspiration for new products, if it's given you inspiration for communication, this is going to become a large part of your activity. It's actually going to um, become the backbone of your activity. And then, of course, you will have to uh, manage your promotional calendars, you know, as, as, as everybody has to do. Um, but there's going to be a, a clear direction for the brand, both for what it has to say and what it invests in. And we obviously measure the return on every dollar invested on these sort of programs. So we will be as um, relentless as at analyzing the return on the dollar invested in a gondola and in, in, in a retailer as measuring the, the return on the dollar invested in uh, the program I, I just referenced on a, on a gender pain gap. Mm. So obviously Reckitt is pretty far along in its ESG journey. The fact that it's sort of all the way that the business is organized, the way that you're sort of viewing it as, you know, a business imperative. Talk about what did it take to get here? Like where you've been at the company a long time. Talk about sort of the journey that you've witnessed over the years and where the, where the company is today. Yeah. You know, in marketing, in advertising, uh, we exist to serve people needs. Um, to uh, understand what's happening in their lives and, and how their expectations shift. And around 2015 to 16, uh, you start to see expectations shifting around brands and sustainability. And again, it takes different dimensions across geographies. I think it's fair to say there's more emphasis on the S of ESG in North America, and there's maybe a bit more emphasis on the E of ESG in, in Europe. Um, but across generation and across geographies, increasingly people start to demand more from brands. They want amazing product quality. That's what a lot of us have been focusing on for decades. They still want that. But at the same time, increasingly they want brands to step up and do more to contribute, to be useful. And that journey, um, of people and what they want from brands, has been the journey of Reckitt, the journey of its brand, and, and my personal journey. And to help people get what they want, 
um, one has to learn about sustainability. That's what we did, uh, you know, through many courses for the leader. Um, we created a lot of training modules for our staff, uh, particularly, but not only for marketeers, so that they would understand uh, the footprint of their brand when it comes to plastic, to water, to carbon, so that they would understand more about this space to make their brand more useful in that space. So that journey of knowledge over time has translated into a, a journey of marketing evolution where more and more brands think strategically about programs of impact. Um, we've talked about saving water with uh, dishes. We've talked about reducing the gender pain gap in the analgesics category. Um, we also are extremely active with brands like Lysol uh, in schools to teach hygiene habits because that's the first thing to do to protect oneself from viruses and germs. So now you're, it's, you said you started in 2015, 2016, we're here in 2023. Where is Racket now and what sort of, where are you looking to push in the coming year? So this is a journey, um, which means that uh, one always learns and one always wants to do better. And, um, you know, we are very much like that at Racket. So we have brands which have started programs of impact, which are now global successes, um, which uh, contribute to uh, their revenue, their market share, and where we can measure the uh, impact uh, done for the community. That's the case of Finnish in a country like Turkey, where we started uh, um, four years ago, our programs to skip the rains. We are able to measure um, the impact on category growth as well as water safety in the same year. So we've reached that level where we know the program works for our business, beyond our business, and uh, we are capable to measure that impact and, and iterate, make the product even better. Some brands are starting that journey. So in the UK, on uh, Neurofen, we have started that journey of uh, uh, elevating the conversation around gender and pain in society. It will be a multi-year journey, but it will be a journey of progress for the brand and beyond. And some other brands are still figuring it out. And that's okay. There's only one rule to be authentic and to never push the envelope. So how do you like, um, get the, so obviously the business at Racket, the business leaders have bought into the fact that ESG and sustainability are good for business and you're proving that out. How can you get that message across to other business leaders who maybe see this as an extra cost or something that isn't actually going to drive business for them in the future. I think your podcast is a wonderful place to do that. <laughs> so that's one. There are also platforms which are very vocal about it. Think about the WFA, for instance, the World Federation of Advertisers. It created the Planet Pledge a couple of years ago. It's a pledge which is for brand owners and it gives a framework of action for marketeers who want to embrace that sustainability journey. So every company can look up the pledge, subscribe to it, and get its team into that journey. And then you get scale, you get a ripple effect across industry. So I guess, you know, you mentioned things like the WFA. Obviously, the, the advertising industry has sort of rallied around ESG in multiple different ways. Like you said, North America has been a little bit more focused on the social stuff, but we're, we're sort of waking up to the sustainability. Um, we have ad net zero just launched in the U S how would you rate the industry's progress 
in addressing sustainability issues? Um, and, and what would you like to see in terms of action? I think the industry is very serious about making progress and you see initiatives uh, multiplying. You know, you talked about the WFA ones, the Annette Zero ones. Uh, we are part of both. So there's really this intent to uh, uh, make um, advertising and uh, uh, marketing even more a force for good. Um, the uh, impact that we can have uh, is first on ourselves. So all of us have to be able to measure and reduce our carbon emissions, but we also have brands. We have brands with a big voice and we can put that voice to the service of meaningful behavior change. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the work we do at Rekit aims to do that, to um, give facts a reason to millions of people to do something daily, which is useful to the collective. And, Brands and marketeers are uniquely placed to do that at scale. I, I really believe in that. Mm. And and how do you um, how do your agencies help you as you talk about your sustainability work? Is that something you do more internally, just because you're closer to the data and the the impact, or do your agencies help you on this journey? Our agencies help us massively, and and now is the time to give a a huge uh, shout out to. Uh, uh, McCann and Avas, who are uh, um, two of our closest partners. Um, because if you want to get people into the journey of sustainability, you need to leverage creativity. We can't do it on our own. We know what we can do around products. We know what programs of impact make sense for our brands. Um, but we need to cut through. We need to get people interested about them. And um, we need to leverage creativity and no one is better placed than our partners like Avas and, and McCann to, uh, to do that with, uh, with our brands globally. Mm. So um, what can we expect from Reckit this year on its, in terms of sustainability? Like what are you most excited about? Uh, what, what programs and projects that your brands are working on? Are you most sort of looking forward to getting out into the world this year? So there's many to mention. I'll uh, give you a couple of examples. We uh, are very, very active in schools with Lysol, and we are very active in schools with Tetol uh, outside of North America. And both brands' ambition to do the same, which is to uh, equip kids in school um, with uh, the right reflexes when it comes to hygiene habits, for instance, hand washing. And here we are uh, really on a journey of uh, scaling up our efforts in uh, 2020, we impacted 15 million kids globally. In 2021, 150 million. So we want to continue on that trajectory because hygiene is really the foundation of health. And both Dettol and Lysol are perfectly placed to create a huge impact in the world around that. Mm, awesome. Well, Fabrice, I'm excited to see what you guys have in the pipeline. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me, Alison. That's all the time we have for this week. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Campaign Chemistry on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.